Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Leviticus, chapter 23. We've been going through the, the feasts. We'll look at the Feast of Pentecost, that is also called the Feast of Weeks. <coughs> and pray that my voice holds out here. Leviticus, chapter 23. Everybody there? Somebody smile real big and say, praise the Lord. All right. I feel better now. Leviticus chapter 23, verse 15. And it says, Ye shall count unto you from the morrow, after the Sabbath, from the day that ye brought the sheep of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be complete. Even unto the morrow, after the seventh Sabbath, shall ye number fifty days, and ye shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord. Ye shall bring out of your habitation two wave loaves of two tenths deals, and shall be of the fine flour, and they shall be bacon with leaven. They are the first fruits unto the Lord. And ye shall offer with the bread seven lambs without blemish of the first year, and one young bullock, and two rams. They shall be for a burnt offering unto the Lord, and their meat offering, and their drink offerings, even an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. And ye shall sacrifice one kid of the goat for a sin offering, and two lambs of the first year for a sacrifice of peace offerings. And the priest shall wave them with the bread of the first fruits for a wave offering unto the Lord, and the two lambs, and they shall be holy unto the Lord for the priest. And ye shall proclaim on the selfsame day that it may be a holy convocation unto you, and ye shall do no servile work therein. It shall be a statute forever in all your dwellings throughout your generations. Father, I pray that you will give us truth in your word today. Lord, anoint me to, to bring forth a message to touch your people. We just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Seven weeks from the wave offering. Seven weeks one day, basically what it says. This, this uh, countdown started from the second day of Passover and 50 days. That's where the word Penta came from, Pentecost, the Feast of Pentecost. And this was a time that Israel was brought into remembrance. It was at the end of the, the wheat harvest, and it was a time when God called them to remembrance. And if you'll remember, if you go through Scripture, over and over and over, God says in the Old Testament, He said, I am the God that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Anybody read that in the Old Testament? It's in there scores of times. I am the God that brought you out of the, the land of Egypt. We have to remember what God has done in order to truly be grateful to Him. If we forget what God has done, we lose our gratitude towards Him. And I, and I say that because it's so typical nowadays that we're always looking for what God's going to do. And then, you know, I believe God's going to do wonderful things. I believe He's going to, there's many things that God is going to do. It's kind of like that catchphrase that I've heard so many times, you know, God, God's going to do a new thing. God's going to do a new thing. And I kind of get, I don't know, I kind of get burdened with that. And I'm thinking, why are we so worried about God doing a new thing? I'd rather Him do the old thing sometimes, you know? I remember what, what reading about what God did during the New Testament days. I, I look at the Great Awakening, and I look at, at revivals of, of great men like Billy Sunday and D.L. Moody and, 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 and fellows like this, and I'm like, I wouldn't mind if God did that. <laughs> you know? I, I'd be pretty happy if God did that. 
When God does a new thing, that's wonderful too. But if we forget to look back on what God did, then we can't truly look forward for and give gratitude for who did the past. You get what I'm saying? We're always we're always looking. Give me something new. Give me something new. And and when we get that way, we sometimes lose the ability to be grateful or content wherewith God has us. Paul said, I am content where any state I'm in, anywhere I'm at, anything I'm in. If I make uh, $1,000 a year, if I make uh, $100 million a year, I'm content. If I have a big, beautiful house with everything, all the amenities in it, I'm happy. But if I have to live in a shack, I'm happy. We sometimes lose the ability to realize that we can be happy right where we're at. And to, to be happy where we're at, we have to realize God brought us through before. Whatever you went through this week, and I bet you some of you went through some tough times this week. Some things happened this week. Problems took place this week. Anybody have frozen water pipes? <laughs> yeah, frozen water pipe. We go through those times, but then we realize God took me through. God took me through and he will continue to bring me through. So Pentecost was a time where God was calling us to remember once again. Remember where you were and now you're harvesting. Now you're enjoying the harvest that's being poured out upon you. God called all the males together during this feast. This was a time when all of the men, every male was required to attend this feast. And I believe the reason is, is God was calling them to remember this day as, as a reminder. Something that we men have to be reminded of sometimes. If this thing falls on our shoulders as the leaders of our homes and the leaders in the church, this thing belongs, this thing is, is, is on our a responsibility that is, that is heaped upon the men to realize that God has called, just like Stan said this morning, you know, we got to, as, as fathers, as husbands, we got to remember that the welfare, the spiritual welfare of our home is on our shoulders. As a man of the home. Now, I've known a lot of homes that were carried spiritually by the wife or the mother. I've seen that many times. And men, I believe, will stand accountable to that. God called the men here in this piece. He called them together to say, let me tell you, let me remind you one more time the role that you have. Let me remind you one more time that you, the responsibility is on your shoulders to be the man in this situation. He didn't call the ladies to this. He called the men. This was time when God, it's kind of like daddy gathering his sons around and say, let me tell you something, boys. Let me tell you what it is to be a man. Let me, let me remind you what it is to be a man. Let me teach you how to lead. Let me teach you how to take charge, to, to, to lead and protect your family. I worry about the modern man. <laughs> Have you seen what people admire as a modern man? Wow! I saw something that somebody put up a while back, and it was a picture of, was it Clint Eastwood? I think it was Clint Eastwood and Justin Bieber next to each other. It was like, what happened, America? <laughs> it was like, you know, somewhere we've lost sight of what a man is all about. I don't know. Amen. Amen. But there's nothing wrong with being a strong man. I'm not talking about a control freak. I'm not talking about somebody that abuses and throws his authority around and wants everybody to know that he's in charge. I'm talking a man who will lay down his life for his wife and children. I'm talking about a man who will lay it all out, who will sacrifice of himself, who will give of himself. Any man here change a diaper? 
Do you like it? <laughs> Stan, you change diapers? <laughs> Maybe one or two? <laughs> you know, uh, what a man will do is whatever needs to be done. That's what God called you to do. The man of the home. When, those, when that family is following your lead, they have to know that anything that is needed, you will fulfill. Oh, that's a heavy weight. Spiritually, emotionally, physically, the responsibility falls on the man. If your family is starving spiritually, that responsibility is on the man. Well, look at Timothy was, was trained up by his mother and his grandmother. I don't believe me, most of my spiritual training as a child came from my grandma. But that doesn't take away the responsibility of the man in the home Amen. to lead that. God called those men, men around that time to remind them. And what did he do? He gave them the law. That's what Pentecost initially was in, that first, in, the, in the first Pentecost. Was God giving the law to man. He's like, here you go. This is what you are to do. This is the law. This is the Torah. This is what you are to fulfill if you're going to please me. Now, we, we don't like that sometimes nowadays. And, and I've mentioned this before, but, you know, you look at, if you go through Facebook or you look on Christian articles or look in Christian magazines, what are the verses that you see? You know, you see, uh, God will never leave you or forsake you. God is going to uh, order your steps and on and on and on positive. All these things about God's going to do for you. You're going to get, you're going to have, you're going to, God's going to do all these things for you. And they say, well, this is, I like that. It's a positive thing. It picks me up. But I tend to think that if I'm traveling from here to, I don't know, Niagara Falls, to I've never been, and I don't know how to get there, and I open up my map on how to get there, I don't consider it a negative thing when my map says to turn left or turn right. I consider that a positive thing. And I really don't want my map to say to turn left if I'm really supposed to turn right, because I might feel better if I turn left. <laughs> you know? GPS is it. Yeah, well, that's what GPS would do. <laughs> I want my map to tell me which way to go. When God says, don't do this, that's not a thing of negative. That's not, that's not putting us in a, in a negative position. That should be a joy to us because we love God with our whole heart, our whole mind, our whole body, everything within us is in love with our God. So we're saying, God, show me what direction to go. That's a positive to me. Yes. That's yes. something joyful to me. I want him to tell me no if yes. that doesn't please him. Yeah. I want him to tell me yes, if that does please him. God gave them the law. This is what he was saying. This is how you will live. Yes. Without this, you will die. Amen. I'm giving you that law. And so this covenant started with Israel, where, where they became his sons, where, where Israel was really, this was the time when God gathered them around and said, you shall be my children, you shall be my sons, and I shall be your father. And he gave them the Torah. But then we realize that there's a spiritual fulfillment of this and a prophetic fulfillment of this. Jesus Christ came to the earth. And you remember when he was down being baptized and John the Baptist looked up 
before he was baptized, when, when John the Baptist was, the Baptist was baptizing people and Jesus started walking, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then Jesus went into the water and he was baptized. And what happened? The, the Spirit of God descended as a dove and a voice spoke from heaven. You had the Father, you had the Son, you had the Holy Spirit. But at that time, the Holy Spirit descended down. Yes. That was significant in this. God in the Old Testament gathered the men around and gave the law and he created a covenant. In the New Testament, God said that covenant is now no longer the covenant that we live by. Hebrews said it is an imperfect covenant. It is done away with because the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world has come and the Spirit of God descended upon him as a dove and a new covenant was created. A new covenant. The old covenant was you do this or else you die. The new covenant is Jesus already did it. Now you believe. Amen. It is, it is on faith. We stand on faith. The old covenant said do this or else. The new covenant is you just, you just believe. You stand in faith and believe in the almighty God because you can't do it anymore. Yes. You can't do it. You couldn't do it before. You couldn't do it before. We couldn't fulfill the law. You can read that law all you want to. You can try all you want. You can't fulfill it. It takes Jesus Christ. He is the one who fulfilled that law and made it possible for salvation. There's no salvation outside of Jesus. So this old covenant was done away. The new covenant was created. And the Pentecost at 30, 30 AD, the day of Pentecost, a new organization, a church was established. The, what, what, the New Testament church was established. The old temple worship was done away. The new covenant of the church was created. And you know in Acts chapter 2, they were all in one place. In, in, in one, uh, one uh, accord. accord. I couldn't think of that. I knew it was a Honda. I just didn't think of the word that. <laughs> and the Spirit descended upon them like a dove. And there was a mighty rushing wind. And they all began to speak with other tongues. God filled them with His Spirit. This was a new thing that was being done. God filled them. The old covenant died. The old way died. The old law died. And God was establishing a new thing. But before they were filled, God said, wait. It's time to wait until you're filled. Now, I remember reading a story years ago about D.L. Moody. And he was, he was having some semblance of success in his ministry. He was having quite a few people show up in his auditoriums as he was preaching. And he and the story said there, there was a couple of, of elderly ladies in the front and after the service was over they came up to him and they said, you know, you do so much good under your own power. Well, imagine what you could do if the Holy Ghost filled you. Amen. <laughs> and it said it bugged him. It bugged him for days. He was like, "What were they talking about? That's weird." What are they doing? And they said that the, the article said that he just walked the streets for days and days and days, just praying, "God, what is it they're talking about? What do you mean this infilling?" And then he finally went to his to his room and he spent, I say, and I'm going by memory, it seemed like two or three days in, in prayer until the Spirit of the Lord filled him. And there was a renewal, an empowering of his ministry he'd never known before. This infilling of the Holy Spirit. Now we have a big argument today. Well, you get it all when you're saved. You know, that's it. You, have, you get it all when you're saved. 
But then there's the other side that says, no, there's a separate work of, of, of the Holy Spirit. Well, which one is it? Jesus tells them in the book of John, he says, the Spirit is with you, but he shall be in you. Yes. You got it. But you're going to get something else. You see in the book of Acts where the, where the apostle, I wouldn't even be going to go here. I'm not sure how this happened, but apparently we need it today. We see in the book of Acts where the apostles were going through it, and I believe it was Ephesus that they came to, and they were, they were ministering to them, and they said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said, we didn't even know there was a Holy Ghost. Wow, that's funny. That, just, that strikes me funny every time I read it. We didn't even know there was a Holy Ghost. Well, you're about to get him. <laughs> and, and they prayed and the Holy Spirit came and filled them. There is a separate work of the Holy Spirit. Cornelius's house. Yes. They were saved. They were believers. They had the Holy Spirit. But then they prayed and the Spirit of God filled them with a separate infilling of the Holy Spirit. I believe there is a separate work of the Holy Spirit. And what is that purpose of the separate work, separate work of the Holy Spirit? It is to embolden us. It is to empower us. It is to strengthen us. It is to direct us in the right way. We can, we can witness without the Holy Spirit, I suppose. But there's a difference when the Holy Spirit empowers us to witness. That's what Pentecost was all about. He said, this is my kids. Now, kids, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go and tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power. That power is the dunamis power, dynamite. The word dynamite comes from that. Anybody that's been Pentecostal very long has heard that. You know that. That dunamis power. It is a power from on high. It is a power. And, and sometimes we can't handle that power. We, we, it gets out away from us. We, we think that we're some kind of a super Christian at that point. Now look, I don't think, this is, this is the way I understand Scripture. I don't think that God fills you with the Holy Ghost and all of a sudden you have a spiritual cape on and you can fly around and beat up devils all day. <laughs> I, you know, I, I kind of think you're more like the Incredible Hulk. You know, you're just a normal guy, normal gal, going about your day, living for God, and then when the old enemy, the adversary, the devil, raises himself up, all of a sudden you turn into a big green monster and you deal with it. <laughs> I'm not sure where that illustration came from. <laughs> but you know what? When you're a child of God, and this is where we struggle with this. Sometimes we in the full gospel side of that have that background. We want to think that we're superhero Christians. We go around and just look, oh, come on, devil. You can just show your, I want to wake you. And we go, look at your devils. Stop looking for devils. Stop it. I don't want you to order the devil. <laughs> Look for God. Let Amen. me tell you something. Amen. The devil will show himself enough. Yes. Amen. Amen. Yes. The devil will show himself enough. You won't have to go looking for him. That's right. He is going to show up. And when he does, that power of the Holy Spirit will break him. Yes. The power of the Holy Spirit will, will empower you to do what you need to do at the time. Yes, amen. We live in this world. God didn't call us to be freaks. He called us to be special. Amen. He didn't call us to be weirdos. He called us to be his consecrated people. An odd people. A, a, a different people. And sometimes we think, well, by different we're supposed to we're supposed to bark like dogs and that's great. No. By different it means you don't live like the world lives. You don't partake of what they partake of. The Bible tells us in Mark 16 that these signs will follow the believers. 
Amen. It does not say that the believers will follow the signs. Yeah. That's right. We need to keep that straight in our minds. What did they talk about in, in, in the Gospels that Jesus was telling them, Matthew 24, he said that they'll come and they'll say that, that he is here or he is there. He's in the wilderness. He's in the desert. He said, do not go. Amen. That's right. Boy, people have gotten in trouble with that one. I remember when Toronto came around. Anybody remember that? The Toronto Blessing. And our churches filled people. I think we were in Montana at the time. People, our, our churches filled buses and they sent them to Toronto to get something. And whatever they got, they brought it back. And it was like an infection. <laughs> I don't know. Craziness. Laughing uncontrollably during the service and, and, and disrupting everything, barking and carrying on. And I'm like, why did we send them up there exactly? What are they doing for us? What are they doing for God? Then Toronto died and Brownsville took its place. And the same thing, everybody flocked to Brownsville. And I think, and I was one, I've always seemed to be the oddball out. I really, I, I was the one saying, no, I ain't going to that. No, no. The scripture says, do not go. Do not go to that. There's going to be shows, there's going to be, I don't know, fakery, there's going to be silliness. This is what I do know that God has an infilling of His Holy Spirit for His people. Amen. That Holy Spirit works here. Yes. It works yes. in Colville, yeah. it works in Spokane, yes. it works in uh, Atlanta, it works in Toronto, it works wherever it is. Yes. They didn't have to go from Ephesus to Corinth to get the Holy Ghost. Amen. 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 The Holy Spirit was where they're at because God is wherever we are. Where two or three are gathered together in His name. Oh, I hope and pray we came together today for Him and yes. no other reason. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. That's why I believe I feel the Spirit yes. of God here today. Yes. Because there are people here that love our Lord Jesus Christ with the whole heart, their whole heart, whole mind, everything within them. That's why God fills the place. So this thing about Pentecost. Pentecost was a rebirth in a sense. It was a, as a, it was a beginning of a new, the end of the old and the, and the start of a new covenant a new relationship where it was no more about don't do this and don't do that. We forgot that sometimes. Don't, 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 don't. And it was all about relationship, loving Him. You can't yes. do enough and you can't not do enough to please God. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not saying that. You know I believe in holiness. I do. But I'm telling you, you cannot not do enough and you can't do enough to please Him. It is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when you have that relationship with Him, you can't help but serve the Lord. I mean, that's just the way it works. Because the old man is dead. Your old guy is dead. He's dead, buried, gone. When you come to know Jesus Christ, a new person is, is, is born. A new create, creature exists. Oh, well then I live perfect from then on? Good luck with that. <laughs> Believe me, it doesn't work that quite that way. But one thing I do know is that my sins are forgiven by the yes. blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross. My sins are gone. Yes. I am no longer a, a servant of sin. I am a servant of the Almighty God. Yes. And that is because of Him, not because of me. Yes. Old covenant is gone. That's what Pentecost was all about, folks. 
Yes. That's what Pentecost was all about. Is God establishing something new with His church? I just want to wind it down. I can go a little further, but you know what? I, I think God spoke to us something today. Yes. And I don't want to infringe on that. Because I want us to remember something. What Pentecost is all about. God fills His people with His Holy Spirit for a purpose. Amen. Not to be a superstar, but that He will be a superstar. Amen. All glory goes to Him. I have seen so many things, and you have too if you've been around this for very long, where everything was done to bring attention to a man. I don't want the attention. If it's of God, the attention goes to Him. Amen. The Holy Spirit directs everything to God. He doesn't ever bring the attention or the glory to a human being. He takes it to God Almighty, to Jesus Christ, the Lord God, the everlasting one. Yes. I want us to remember God will fill us to do things. He, he, he fills us with this Holy Spirit and there's a purpose for that infilling and we will operate within the spiritual gifts and those gifts are to give glory to the Lord Jesus Christ first and foremost and to empower us to live for Him and empower us to witness for Him. That's what it's all about. He fills us for that purpose. Can we pray? <clears throat> Father, we just... Take a moment, Lord, to recognize what you did through Pentecost. Lord, you're just as you did in the Old Testament when you gathered those men together and you handed them the law and you created a covenant. You did it again in the New Testament when you gathered your people together in the upper room. You gave them a new covenant and they went out from there and reached people for God. 3,000 people were saved that day. Because you filled your people with the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you will direct this body of believers. Each one of us. Use us. Lord, we want to surrender ourselves to you. That your Spirit can fill us and use us to reach a world that needs you, God. We don't have to go somewhere else to get it. It happens here because we have two or three gathered together in one place. And we are here for your purpose. Yes. Lord, I pray that you will direct us as a body. Lord, we can see so much that you're doing in this small group of people. Lord, you are blessing every week I hear about what you're doing. I hear testimonies of prayers being answered. I see things take place where you are you're Favor has rested upon this small yes. church of believers. And we thank you, God, because it's nothing to do with us. It is all about you. Amen. And I yes. praise you for that. Hallelujah.